This is Shaka Wart Speak. I want to start. Just like that. That was a great opening, Dr. Snacks Mill. <laughs> As always. Welcome back. We took, we, a, we took a one-week hiatus. We had some, some things to tend to. Yeah, you know, life comes up. Yeah, life happens. But we're here. We're back. And um, we're almost better than ever. We're barely better. We're back and we're barely better than ever. We have the capacity to be. We have the potential to be. We're older than we were last time we spoke. That's right. And I would, I would just go ahead and make the possibly unequal connection. That we are also wiser. Yeah. Probably, <laughs> probably not. Therefore. Um, yeah. I ate a lot of carbs last week, so I don't know if that, ma- that ever makes me wiser. Dude, I was on the road, so I was eating nothing like fast food and garbage. Yeah. I feel terrible. Dude, I watched a two seconds of a video of a bodybuilder put down six hamburgers from in and out six i didn't know what to do with myself because i love in and out and i can't have it because we're not in california yeah um six and yeah he put them down and it was it was kind of starting to make me feel gross i was like this might be a way of making me not want to eat the food that's not good how did he feel he's a bodybuilder man i guess he i mean he was just like okay taking deep breaths he was huge he's so muscular like his body's just burning up those calories i guess man i don't know Man, that makes me yeah. feel tired. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, oh, it makes, I mean, I don't even, I, listen, I ate two burgers in 2018 when I went home to California and that mm. derailed me. Yeah. I'm still feeling the effects of it. Not even. That's three, day, <laughs> three, years, like, three years later. <laughs> three years later, I'm still feeling the effects of this. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, what are we talking about today? What's the question? Uh, yeah. We're rethinking the world. Yes. Yeah, so we're part, part two. two. Part two, rethinking the world. So, and, you, you know, and you know, sequels are never as good as the um, the first episode. I mean, yeah, <laughs> as a, as a general rule. <laughs> so, you know, hey, hey, folks, <laughs> setting hey. up a good one for you. <laughs> Low um, bar. Yeah, you know, as a, as a as a general rule, but uh, you know, I think there's some that are that, that, that could be better. Indiana Jones. Yeah, was, that's exactly what I was just thinking. Yeah. About. It was Indiana Jones, right? Like, I mean, I don't uh, I don't hate any of those movies, right? But when it comes down to it, like I'll always pick the third one to watch first. I'll go Last Crusade. Last Crusade's the fourth one. You're you're excluding Temple of Doom, dude. No, I know no, what you're doing. No, no, I'm excluding Crystal Skull or whatever. No, 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 no. You you've it's Indiana Jones, and then it's 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 Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then yeah. what is it? And then Temple of Doom, and oh, then Last right. Crusade, and that's Temple of Doom, and then then there's uh then there's Homie swinging on the vines through the jungle. That's right. What she know? What, I mean, this is a completely different episode than, yeah. than what we're having, but I, I don't know. It probably, okay. it probably, it probably tracks. We'll I mean. talk, we'll talk about it later. Um, but yeah, so uh, I don't know. Some sequels are, are, are a little better. Um, Dang, we went into like a, a, like full confession. That was a legit brain debris. It was. Um, and I, I wasn't even aware it was happening. Like no. I had no conscious awareness of what we just did. No. I forgot where we were. We're definitely older. Yep. Definitely <laughs> older. Not wiser. Yeah. Sorry, folks. Okay, but in all seriousness, we're 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 picking up with um, rethink. Yeah, so we're the talking world. about the world. Yeah, and the you know the first episode we really just kind of set some parameters, right? Because uh, you know the world is a it's a large topic. Yeah, um, pretty big. And so the whole thing, um, I think you know, to just kind of summarize it, um, where we kind of left things was that uh, there really isn't a lot of benefit to assume that the world is only chaos or mm-hmm. that the world is only on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. But it is good to notice that since the world was here before I was. And the assumption is that we'll be here after I am. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's there are things in the world that actually have effects. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things that actually in the world that that change, alter, um, 
kind of make sense of in some mm-hmm. ways or make confusing in other ways uh, mm-hmm. what we do and how we do it. Uh, so the world is a thing outside of ourselves and our experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're talking about like, so you asked the question, we closed last episode with asking the question like, what is a phenomena? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. If, if we live in this world that has this experience that we have that is outside of ourselves, then how do we then understand phenomenon? Yeah, so then like, so like, uh, what is it? Was it the aurora borealis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a phenomenon. Yeah, it is. A phenomenon is a convergence of factors that produces something, mm-hmm. you know, and then we have, it raises questions. It requires inquiry. Yeah. Um, in some ways, you can't do much with it. No, you really it's can't. Not, you, you can you yeah, just look at it. Like, you can look at neat. it. Yeah, you can be, I mean, you can be like blown over by it. Yeah. Tr- and probably should be if we're rightly putting together our own lot in life, yeah. like probably should be kind of like, um, you know, so I, I'm just thinking of natural phenomenon as mm-hmm. a, as a basis to start, like just as a basis for discussion. So like oh, yeah. ice icebergs, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's things that happen in nature that, that, um, yeah, I grew up on the coast. So hurricanes are the phenomenon. I always yeah. 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 And the nice thing with that is it also then gets into the space that like they don't exist. They don't exist outside of the world, one, mm-hmm. but they also don't exist outside of other things that have to come after them. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah so yeah. it's not like they're pulled out of time and space. They don't yeah. stand alone. So that would be there like our effects. Yeah. They're not. So they're not super or supra, supra, is it supranatural, not yeah. super, but supranatural. Mm-hmm. Like they supersede the natural element. Mm-hmm. Or the natural world, their their um, you know, uh, convergences of uh, factors mm-hmm. that create an optimal optimal situation for you know something to occur. In this case, a a tornado or a hurricane, you know, or right. an earthquake, or you know, um, like high wind. Mm-hmm. You know, when like I'm thinking of in California, we have we had this Santa Ana winds, and yeah. so fire becomes like a really great possibility because of the Santa Ana winds coming in repeatedly each year at a time when everything is dry. So these convergence of factors, the world. So, so then there's like in any one of those cases that we're describing, I guess one of the things I think about um, is we have an ability to respond to those effects. Mm -hmm. We also have an ability to reasonably anticipate the coming of such events. Yeah, totally. So, you know, you take earthquakes growing up in California, they started to engineer buildings to deal with a certain amount of shock and shake um, so that the buildings wouldn't crumble. Mm-hmm. You know, it, now it wasn't bulletproof, but it actually changed. You know, so you could be in buildings where they feel like they're on rollers and it's because of the way they're, they've been engineered. Yeah. So that is a, a response to a phenomenon that's, that's out of our control, but something we can work with, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, we're talking macro scale stuff you know, in, in some ways. Yeah. Um, but so like, uh, the, the world, I mean, you know, like in the kind of, uh, materialistic sense, you know, I've noticed there's a lot of, uh, this is going to be kind of a ramble, but I've noticed a lot of volcanoes popping off lately. Yeah. yeah. So in Iceland, um, and you know, it, it's like, uh, (laughs) what's in the core of the earth is actually, it's just so concealed that unless unless every now and then it shows itself, you just forget. Yeah, you forget that we're living on a on a lake of of puddly like heat. liquid rock, liquid heat, hot yeah. rock. I mean, molten. You know, right? All the um, and then and then you know we're in some kind of gravitational 
reality. Yeah. Right. I mean, you just keep stretching it into like strangeness. And so I think, I think it's just to establish the premise that there's a lot more prior to what we can see. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I know I'm saying this in an ad hoc way, but it, like, it's like, it's like that precipitates through what we can see. Like it's, um, and it's formative, you know? Mm-hmm. So like Hawaii exists because volcanoes happened. Yeah. yeah. Right. So then you, a, a culture is built around volcano life in a way that you don't directly think of per se, mm-hmm. but it, it, it has to influence things like the, like the arc, like all those convergence of factors affect the architecture, uh, uh, all the atmospheric conditions, the sunlight, er- everything about Hawaii shapes the way people probably walk down the streets more than they realize mm-hmm. the way they dress. And, 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 and not like in a bad way. It's like, it's like, that's what we do. We exist in this world that, um, that almost anticipates us or, or shapes us. And we don't, we don't know it to the extent that we could, we assume it. And then, and then when you're born into it, you just keep rolling. Yeah. You know? And I think that's in some ways where a lot of people um, put some priority on like being aware of your biases. And, and mm-hmm. I think you know, it's, it's a good practice to know what you're assuming yeah. as a given that um, may not be a given. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you know, that it's a, a kind of like an assumed uh, thing. And then there's this, um, you become aware of it and you realize I don't want to assume that anymore. Yeah. Um, that's an empowered kind of like stance. You know, you can move into a proactive state. And so all of that sets the grounds for, I think, w- like what that means when it comes to like a maker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you think about phenomena as things that, that occur, um, that are hard to pin down that raise questions. I think art does that a lot. Okay. You know, so like think of, think of, you know, you, you know, music better than I do, but let's go to music for a second. If I slam this, like a, a symbol mm-hmm. against, uh, a trash can, mm-hmm. um, there's an effect that emerges out of you know, the contact and the force, mm-hmm. all the factors, right? Yeah, the weight yeah. behind it. And then the question is, what's the effect? The effect is a, a large, a loud, pangy sound mm-hmm. that probably would affect people as far as like they would grimace. They would, you know, maybe not find it very pleasing. Yeah, totally. You know what I'm saying? Like it mm-hmm. wouldn't, so pleasing, ple- I mean, when I mean by pleasing, is pleasing past the point of taste. Mm-hmm. I mean like in your body, it doesn't. It's like a cordance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, it, it, it jives work. with something in the right way. Yeah, it doesn't. It does or does not jive in the right way, especially yeah. according to the time setting and context. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's in a narrative framework and it's a theater production, and you know it's a a musical, uh, and it's an alleyway, mm-hmm. and someone takes a percussive move like that and they jump into song, then the effect is wedded to a musical theatrical production, and it's it's to grab the audience's attention and and set in motion some other set of events that then enlarges whatever your experience is and you're being affected mm-hmm. in a, a totality that puts an otherwise disruptive moment into context. So does that make sense? I mean, no, it, it totally oh, does. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm tracking. Yeah. So w- what I always say, and I mean, we talk about a lot or it's like, um, to postulate that, um, it's kind of like saying like phenomena is not neutral. Yeah. But it's also like, Phenomena is like, um, you know, 
the phenomenological, so the phenomenon that flows or that is there to be worked with is not neutral, but it's also not so conditioned or so cultivated or so specific so as to always be a positive yeah. towards some particular goal or end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the kind of thing that upon awareness can be worked with to fashion effects that affect towards ends that are for uh, the kind of humanized relative goodness of, of individuals or mm-hmm. communities, right? Yeah. So, you know, so wonderful musical compositions, um, whether taste is, is activated or not, is a general good in how it enriches or imbues, you know, a collective response. People, mm-hmm. people come away with a spe- specified experience that's oral, Mm-hmm. and resonant and um it, it can do all kinds of uh affects to people depending on their their state of being coming into that occasion you know they can be a uh, burden can be lifted a a accompanying musical mood can mm-hmm. accompany them in their own sort of interpersonal narrative about their day their week their life their year their relationship so all of a sudden there is a a vehicle of facilitation that helps them process out a state of emotions or being yeah. That uh, otherwise maybe can't be without the music, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, if it's like an orchestra or, um, you know, jazz quartet or I mean, I, anything, mm-hmm. right? Like Sufjan Stevens concert or, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so, so I guess what, what I'm, what I'm thinking about is that the, the market difference is to be cognitive or, or um, consciously aware of the fact that there's something we're working with. That works on us, mm-hmm. whether we know it or not. Yeah, yeah. And once we know it, we're not tasked with bearing the burden of manufacturing something that already is the case. So what that means is it changes us from feeling like things don't matter unless I make it mm-hmm. to the world matters and I get to make with it. Right. That's yeah. the difference. That's totally but it's right. a huge difference because it takes certain pressures off and puts certain stress in the right place because it also attunes you to expect certain percussive sounds to happen when I, when I clang, mm-hmm. you know, when I don't play guitar in, in, in key or in chord mm-hmm. or when I'm not playing the piano and, and I don't know what I'm doing versus when I do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I swing a hammer and I never hit the nail, yeah. you know, the experience of the, of the sharp metal pushing through the, the softer wood by comparison means that the nail goes through and holds these other two things together. Mm-hmm. Um, the world is made to be made with. Mm-hmm. So, when we start with that assumption, it, it eliminates a little, it has the potential to push against the ego that thinks, well, it all lives and dies on my shoulders, like you were saying. Yeah. And it's not dead, inert stuff. So it's not dead and it's not inert. It's not um, animated by your, it's not merely animated by the exertion of your intention. Another word, another way of saying it's like, I've heard artist friends say this, like, it's like I'm a God. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying you're not a God. You're not God. You you have mm-hmm. no ability to make out of nothing. Yeah, you're you're using yeah. somebody else's tools. Always. You drove on you drove in a car someone else made mm-hmm. to an art store that someone else um owns to buy supplies. It's like there's no place in your life where you live independently uh without the dependence on someone. And mm-hmm. and even even if you get to the place where you're out in the wilderness building a cabin and you're off the grid, 
the only reason why you're motivated to be off the grid is because you're in reaction to mm-hmm. a world that's informed your decision. You can't get away from it, right? Yeah. So, so when we don't assume that we're God, then we can um, have the humility to recognize that there's really something unusual happening in the world. Like we live in a world that does produce the aurora borealis. Is that mm-hmm. how you say it? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like we we actually live in that world. Mm-hmm. And um, we can science the heck out of it, but we still don't fully grasp it. Yeah, totally. Um, and, uh, you know, there's like new information sort of rapidly being uncovered that just makes quantum physics stranger and stranger. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so when, like, we were at the museum yesterday, Laura and I we went on a, a date night and um, it was great. We just went and looked in the Baroque, kind of the Renaissance and Baroque section and just camped out. And, and there was paintings that were doing things and suspending, you know, it's like the most weighted aspect of a couple of paintings we we're looking at was the most transparent. Mm-hmm. And some of the most elevated was the heaviest and most thickly applied, completely flip-flopping what yeah. we understand about physics, mm-hmm. suspending things and inverting things and, and all for the sort of the, the totality and climax of the particular paintings. One, one was a still life. The other was like a religious painting, but um, that's what, that's what was. So those effects affect you in such a way that it has you thinking differently about states of affairs as it may pertain to mm-hmm. um, the physical world yeah, and the realms above or below mm-hmm. and giving solid solidity to things that feel less solid and saying that, that things that are solid or maybe less solid that are more liquid, mm-hmm. it kind of stacks up with like, you know, molten lava blowing, <laughs> you know, boiling below us, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. um, and so it puts you in a kind of a heightened state of awareness mm-hmm. and, um, marvel and, you know, it's like, uh, all of a sudden I'm not holding tension in my forehead and my shoulders. I'm just trying to be as honest as I can be. So I leave, I leave lighter mm-hmm. and by, by being a little lighter, um, I'm desirous of certain things that I think are probably better mm-hmm. than other things that are not as, as good for me. So I'm being humanized towards desires that I think are more according with what we maybe are supposed to be as people. Yeah, It's yeah. so vague, man. I know I'm anyhow. So just kind of track with, with everything and just, you know, bring stuff from the back past episode, uh, into this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're saying is that the the world exists outside of me. Yep. And it, it exists outside of my experiences. Um, that means the world is always there. And the phenomenon of the world means that that world is always doing things, mm-hmm. right? Like um, you can go outside, you can, you could watch grass grow if you sat there long enough. You could listen to trees grow in some forests, like bamboo forests, right? Um, different sort of things. So um, there's a lot of phenomena that are going on. And those have some effect, but it's not just a one-way effect. It's not just like, oh, the world exists out there, therefore I can kind of mold it however I please, and then I can just work in accordance or against the world out yeah. there. But that the world actually impacts the ways in which we can make. Right. There are certain things I can't make. And so this gets at the, um, you know, in some ways the uh, <laughs> the old the old discussion, the old dichotomy that it's not always helpful is nature versus culture. Yeah, it's it's only a so here's the here's the interesting thing is there's like these um, this is an impossible conversation by the way, but Let's do it. <laughs> so I'm like, there's just no way to fully, but you know, there, so when you bring up the redwoods for instance, yeah. the redwoods can only grow at the at the pace and the rate that they can. Yeah, true. They, they yeah. can't 
they you can't certain, manufacture it in two mm, years. You can't manufacture it. So they they have to they take the time that they take. Mm-hmm. We have oh, this is a conundrum, dude. Okay. I know I'm gonna lose some points for this one. We because of the industrial revolution and because of a manufactured idea of progress, mm-hmm. which assumes an end. Yeah. We are, in some ways, we have perpetuated the nature versus culture discussion mm. because we're not working with the world. Mm. Yeah. We're demanding the world work at a manufactured rate mm-hmm. and general impatience in human beings. So we are violating the world in ways that it cannot live up to because we've never stopped to know the world in the way it could be worked with. Mm-hmm. So the phenomenon of the world is abundant, but it, it does not, um, it can't violate itself. It is what it is. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think, you know, in a kind of a microscopic uh, way of looking at that is if you've ever worked in a place where you had a boss that was just so bullheaded mm-hmm. about things and they're like, oh, so-and-so is going to do this thing. And you're like, but they're not, they don't, that's not their thing. Yeah. They, they actually don't work well yep. in that. And they go, no, no, I, uh, I know what I'm doing. I'm the boss. You, mm-hmm. uh, you need to go work on this team doing this thing. And yep. then what happens? Well, they don't do well. No. Because it's not in accord with who they are. It's not, it's not maybe what they've been trained for. Mm-hmm. All of the things that, that kind of um, define in different ways that person and their ability mm-hmm. is contrary to what this person is trying to make it do. And so what do you say when you say, oh, the thing's a failure? The yeah. person just, you know, we got to fire them. It's like, and it's, but that's not fair. And it's messy because, because there's just enough there to, to justify it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because because the truth is we can make much of the world and we have. Yeah. And it's and, and I think it's intended that way. I think that really is the case. Um, you know, I'm thinking about making bricks and I'm thinking about it, the technological wonders that we we behold or assume on a daily basis now. Mm-hmm. But I think some of the proof in our kind of um, I would say that human beings are prone to be extremely inward, inwardly focused. Mm-hmm. And you could say that uh, when there's a dense grouping of folks, you know, with a set of ideas for what needs to happen and, and attached to that is, is some ego, mm-hmm. you're going to get some impatience. And because the ego needs to be sort of satisfied mm. and, you know, it's easy to, now I'm not talking about like anthropomorphizing nature, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not there, but, um, but I do think you get impatient with a world that's like, and we've been here, the world's been here longer than you. And you're, you know, you know, we're seeing, we, we have like conversations about climate and we, we see our effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but you, you know, you get things that are, that you, you might say that are violated um, because we're impatient and discontent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we build, Impatient and discontent cultures, mm. and the effect of a the phenomenon that follows from that is the demand for it to get faster mm-hmm. to alleviate, you know, the dissatisfaction that came two seconds ago, and so it accelerates the notion of progress. Um, but the end is unclear. In in what we're seeing, in some ways, is a kind of unraveling of humanity. So coming back to the the bigger picture, it's like that's that's sort of like the slow the bus down mm-hmm. aspect of this conversation is rethink the world. Why? 
Well, because we're, we are quickly uh, uh, desiring to be automatons or um, artificial intelligence converging with, you know, um, interfacing with our, you know, it was a neural link with um, discussions about, Here's the funny thing about I'm 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 so tangential, but I'm putting I'll put it together. I promise. So like, take Neuralink and Elon Musk. I don't know too much about it, but I've listened to several podcasts and I've read some. And you know, a lot of times um, we temporarily ground advancement in the moral language of healing someone who is suffering from some kind of thing. Like, let's say they're disabled and they they're uh, can only you know um, only able to use their mind. And so then that becomes the basis for something like Neuralink. Well, this person will be able to communicate with other people. And, and that sounds good. And in fact, it may be, right? Mm-hmm. But then what's interesting is the, I got to be careful I say this, so I'm trying to think it out loud. But the reverse of that would be now we normalize that and people are immobilized. Right? So, yeah. so on the one hand, it's to assist the immobilized. On the other hand, it renders a different kind of immobilization. Kind of like what you see in Wally, like where people became mm-hmm. so dependent, they didn't move, they didn't think, they didn't do anything, and all of that's built out of this kind. So, like science seems to ground in a temporary, temporary moral category certain advancements, and then we normalize it to a wider audience, mm-hmm. and, and and we call it progress. And I'm not saying that it's not. I mean, I'm not anti-science. You know, I mean, I mean, I've got a cell phone in my pocket and want my doctors to be, to succeed, and you know, I mean, I want my car to run and. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm on the internet. Like I'm it's just thinking out loud and saying, it may be that we are really in a runaway train. Um and we know that this is probably true because you have people that are ready to leave the planet and move to Mars. That's not a joke. I mean, that's what really what the goal is. A lot mm-hmm. of, and then and then maybe launch from there to the next habitable planet. But we haven't really looked at what uh has gotten us to the point where we have those desires. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and we know that the earth is pretty regenerative. Like it can kind of like, if you kick back, it, it flourishes. Yeah. But we don't take that as a clue to kick back. Like, Hey, maybe our assumptions are wrong. Mm-hmm. We're like, now, nah. you know, it's, so you have people that are like, no, nah, we need to care for the earth. But then you have people that are like, no, nah, we need to bounce. And I need to be a robot. And you're like, maybe, or maybe the dissatisfaction you feel is because you've inherited certain sets of assumptions that have left you disenchanted with the world. Mm-hmm. And maybe you have to be like, you have to be re-enchanted and reoriented. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so where does that land us in an, just an art and design podcast? Well, I think that gets back to the things we make mm-hmm. and the effects that they have on the, on the lower scale. Like looking at a painting or a sculpture, which is not the same thing as, uh, you know, an avalanche or, um, you know, a, an iceberg or whatever. But um, it has, it's still a part of that cultivated world. And it does have a chance to do things. Like I was pleased to see the amount of people I did last night at the museum. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to be careful what I say here. Like there wasn't like, it was just there were people out. And there was like, it was cool to see. There was quite a few what seemed like date night young people maybe on dates looking at art. And yeah. I overheard a couple where the one person was like, I want to stay here. We got, we haven't, we haven't really, it's already time to go. And, and the lady's like, what do you, what do you mean? We've been here forever. And I was like, 
That's a good conversation. I love yeah. that one person yeah. is like, we've been here forever. The other person's like, we haven't been here long enough. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a good, like, I was like, that's good. Like that, that whole conversation, that's great. That, that means something. Um, and I think COVID, COVID put us in that spot to kind of recognize that. My question is though, I don't, I don't, I don't know if we, if we recognize it, man, I don't know if we see it. And, um, yeah. Um, there's just, there's just a massive opportunity there still. Mm-hmm. Because every generation that comes into existence has to start, is in, inherent a lot, but also starts from scratch within understanding their own inheritance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, otherwise we wouldn't educate. Right, it would be a need for it because it would it'd be, just be some inborn thing that's already there. Right. Yeah, and it's, um, when we talk about like the, the world and you talk about kind of like re-enchanting ourselves with it uh, and whatnot. Like, I don't know. Somebody might hear that and be like, ah, kind of sounds a little sappy guys. Like re-enchant yourself with the world. Like feels like some like, might be some, I'm sappy like a tree. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, you know, when you, when you think of something like re-enchantment, like before you can ever appreciate anything, you have to know it. Right. Mm -hmm. So there, there's, there are conditions for that enchantment to happen. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times it really is about like patience and time and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like uh, I, we got small kids, and every once in a while we got to reenchant ourselves with them. You know, because yes. life goes on, and um, you know, you've heard the same "I want, I need, yes. I want, I need" conversations for a while, and then you um, have to just kind of um, get to a place where you're like, hey, you know what? I hung out with my kids this weekend. We did this cool thing that was off the beaten path. And it helped me remember stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, our lives are so busy. The stuff you talked about with the the impatience, like mm-hmm. how we build cultures of impatience, like what it does is it naturally allows us to not actually have much communion time with the world. Yeah, so we ne- we're never, and that's the thing is, that's where I think art historically has become more and more of a placeholder for slowing down. Yeah. So you're either, so here's the thing, you're either capitulating, speeding up mm-hmm. by confounding, confusing, and driving forward. Or you're stabilizing, preserving, stating, slowing down, inviting. And I know I'm speaking in a either or in a thesis, antithesis, but I'm not, and I'm not saying these are necessarily antithetical to each other. They could be really nuanced and complex. And, oh, yeah. But it's, it's just helpful sometimes to have stronger buckets to kind of think through. And so that you can say, like, is what I'm making actually contributing to, um, something more it can be squarely self-expression right but it can also be that it it is offering something yeah um that actually is is helpful that actually um i don't know i mean i guess another way of saying it is are you building your own legacy are you are you okay so are you looking for fame Mm -hmm. If you're looking for fame, you're going to be more inclined to capitulate to the dominant narrative, right? Yeah. And you may be inclined to repeat things that have been done before without acknowledging it because you're trying to act like it's yours Mm -hmm. in order to gain whatever benefit may come from it being yours, right? Yeah. So now we're off to a pretty false set of, you know, expressions and categories in some ways. There's like an already an inherent flaw in that. And, um, or you can be like, I'm working out of traditions that have come before me and I know that. And, um, I, I want to 
I enjoy this. It, it reflects something of my character and my concern and my mm-hmm. interest, which I don't fully understand. And, you know, um, my hope is that the effect of this is that, uh, people have this experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that we put a lot of demand on ourselves as artists to really, I mean, I think artists, artists have often struggled with what, um, I think it was Con- Manuel Kant talked about, which is like this idea that art is inherently rebellious. Yeah. So that it, it, it's always, it's best defined in reaction to, a, you know, things that dictate the terms or moral conditions of a given day and age. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think we've inherited that and the world has changed. And I think we need to check in on that inheritance. And I think we have responsibilities that are there for us to take up if we want it. Mm-hmm. So I'll say it that way, that the responsibility is there. And it's like, it can be a two for one deal. You can, you can make what you make with an eye towards what it does for other people. And in the larger conversation, is it working towards the advancement of, you know, whatever you think about human beings? I mean, like, that's the debate, right? Um, and I'm not pro, I'm not against us moving forward. I'm just interested in us not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, which yeah, is yeah. what we always do. Yeah. And you need, you need people to call you to the mat as far as being impatient. Mm-hmm. And you need, to, you need to know that maybe sometimes your narcissism is causing you to do things that are affecting other people and you don't even realize it. Yeah, and I think something about the, the idea about moving forward is uh, with this whole idea of the, the world outside of yourself and the phenomena is always kind of happening is that like moving forward is always it's it's a it's a natural state of things mm-hmm. right the that's just how it works mm-hmm. we're always doing it but we're so focused on how do we do it how do we do it why do we do it um that i think is is somewhat problematic because um there was a writer who's a writer who talked about the the four categorizations of time mm-hmm. and he said you have the past the present the future and what he called eternity he said, so we can think of uh, past, present, and future as things that are we understand in our lives, but mm-hmm. then eternity is things that exist outside of our time frame. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, when you break it down, a few of those categories just fall away immediately. Well, you can't live in the past. It's mm-hmm. not a thing that's already gone, so we shouldn't deal with that too much. We can't live in the future. It hasn't happened yet, so it could still change. Um, you know, Doc Brown says that very uh, famously in Back to the Future, one, two, and three, over and over again. Um, so I said the only two things that we really talk about are, are the present and eternity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. Like, what do we do now mm-hmm. and how does it impact people later? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's hugely important because the, the thing is, if, if we're, if we're re-enchanting ourselves with the world that we're in now, if we're dealing with the work that we're doing now, like that future will happen. Mm-hmm. It will happen regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, yeah. But most of the time the future is happening. And the same idea you have throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Most of the time the future is happening because we're focused on the future and we haven't taken care of our present. Mm-hmm. So we, we're like, oh, I got to do this thing, get to this place, figure this out. We get to the show, the exhibition, the whatever, we have our work and it just doesn't land. Mm-hmm. And we go, well, why? man, I, I thought about this thing yeah. for so long. Why didn't it happen? Yeah. Now, maybe your brain was in the future instead of being in the present where it should have been. Yeah. Focusing on the work and what it actually can do. Right. Well, and that that goes back to the thesis of this talk is exactly that is. um, So the only caveat I would say is I would say that most people just assume that did do it, what what they expected it to do, Mm. but, but they're vague about what do is. And so it's kind of like, I made it, therefore it is. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the is is not grounded in the the embodied expression. The is is grounded grounded in the proposition itself. Yeah, I mean, you know, an existence is such a low bar to hit. Yeah, so it's like I made, therefore it is, because it, it's my self expression. You're doubling down, regressing into a set of propositions that are not grounded by anything. Yeah, I mean, not really, right? No, and totally. so and so, um, we build institutions to support work that isn't actually doing uh, very much. Right. Um, and, and so we can build societies that way and we have, and we do. Mm-hmm. And my only point in that is, well, since we're already going that far, why not just take two steps back and realize that, um, there are real physiological, material, psychological, there's effects. There's yeah. things that actually happen that re- resonate and can be cultivated into, um, goals See, the thing is, if you, if you start to talk this way, it puts an accountability on the maker mm-hmm. and it, it makes you realize you're not as um, able as you think you are when you're not thinking about the materials in this way. Mm-hmm. When you think about them as merely a sign and signifier and um, I did, therefore it is, you know, people can make great things mm-hmm. and have great thoughts and their great thoughts and their great thing don't even match. Because the great thing is almost happening by accident, by intuition only. Yeah. And they're not cognizant of the fact that it's actually doing something predicated on the fact that it comes from a world that's always doing something. Mm-hmm. It's active. It's not static. It's not inert. And, and this can ground and enrich and hone in on your maker ability to have more resonating effects that actually affect people past a intellectual or conceptual proposition. Mm-hmm. So that that the concept is in the form and they're in bound together in such a way that uh, a more potent expression occurs that actually has an affective potential. Mm-hmm. Um, that is lost on a lot of, I mean, I'm working in art school, it's lost on a lot of people mm-hmm. and that are great makers. But there's like a, a um, it's almost like a uh, personal, I mean, I'm, dude, I'm, it's like a personal Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. The material's bad. The heaven, heavenlies are good kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like the conceptual is good. The material is bad. Mm. And it's dichotomized. And so yeah. you, you live in your own personal state of Gnosticism against the work you actually make. Because you're not sure of what you're doing in, in a way. You, you almost don't have a, a uh, epistemologic way of, of knowing um, what you know, you know intuitively passed into intuition so you're you're left with a gap a gulf and so you vacate the material expressions of the studio into the mind of conceptualism hmm. and one hovers above the other in a condescending way yeah but they never actually are enjoined yeah it's kind of funny i mean like yeah, almost like if um if people got the nobel prize for science based on their ideas instead of the fact that the experimentations actually happened mm-hmm. you know like they're they're enjoined yeah. Like you don't, you don't get that award because you said, oh, here's a neat concept. Mm-hmm. Man, it'd be neat if somebody do something with it. Or yeah. maybe I can do a really crappy job of it. Yep. And you get the idea though, right? Because I can't capture the idea completely. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's not how it works in other, in other fields or other things. No, I mean, because do- their work, I mean, because you take something like physics, like it's working in accord with the world that's around us. Yep. It's seeking explanation. It's seeking uh, progress. It's seeking, yeah. looking forward and how this impacts and helps and, yeah, Changes. unless it's a theory that has such great explanatory power, mm-hmm. it 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 defaults to pointing back to what's heavily observable by so many that it's undeniable. Yeah, and then it almost doesn't have to prove it directly or 
you know, uh, empirically, it's, it's just that it, it accords so well, it becomes mm-hmm. a, a masterful articulation of what is. And, you know, so here's, here's, I mean, here's the thing, like, you know, like there's, um, we, we condition ourselves to cultivate taste for dissonance mm. for, for that, which, um, because, because the world's so harmonious, the place that we give the most credence to experiencing is when it's dissonant. Yeah. That's how, you know, we're breaking down that, that's de- that, that I would, dude, I'll make the kind of down home argument, I guess. I would say that that's how, you know, that, um, we're made for resonance towards better things mm-hmm. is because we so we are more inclined to drive further into dissonance out of cyn- cynical, skeptical, mm-hmm. um, almost like a self hate. Mm-hmm. And because that actually creates a, a sensory experience and we trust that more in our individuality than the fully integrated way the world is harmonious. Um, because that can be assumed and taken for granted because you don't make it harmonious. It is. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So then we keep driving towards an impatient move away from that, which is dissonant, dehumanizing, destructive, deconstructive. And because we get a sensation of discord, we uh, prefer it as a sign of success and progress. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, it, 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 if, you, if you boil it down, Something like that. Yeah, it sounds so, nuts. I sound like I'm being. Well, I, I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's um, when I think about it, you know, if I put it back, like coming full circle into how we started with like the natural phenomenon discussion. Um, if I look at what like uh, media will report in terms of natural phenomenon, it's always the disasters, right? Exactly. It's like, oh, well, the hurricane happened, the earthquake happened, the mudslide happened, the fire happened, um, you know, the sinkhole popped up, you know, the tsunami hit. Um, it's all of those, but you don't hear the story of like, well, hey, you know what? Pacific Ocean's still chill today. We're here in South South California, yep. and it's still looking legit. Yeah, we don't, report on, we don't report on how um, cogent and harmonious the world is. And how, because it's, because here's the thing, because in that state it's teeming with the potential, uh, it's saying like, work with me, you know, uh, I was going to say, I mean, like, you know, some, I I would guess that somebody's, uh, initial pushback would be like, well, yeah, of course they don't report on that. Like that doesn't impact anybody. It's like, oh, it just, you know, it just props up your existence. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Supporting your existence. It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't impact me except every other day Yeah, because it's okay. Yeah. And that's, and so, yeah, that's, that gets into the different states of mind. One is a more humble humbled state because you're like, Oh yeah, it doesn't necessarily need me. Mm-hmm. And you have to create a fictitious world that asserts you at the center and then says that you're needed in that way. Mm-hmm. And that world is rapidly flattening into a digitized reality where people are like, yeah, I'd rather be a conscious mind on a computer hard drive. than, I mean, you know, ideas have consequences, but, the physical manifestations that come with them or the lack thereof. So, you know, another, another line of thinking in this discussion that, you know, before we close is, is like when the ideas are overly articulated, but the embodied expressions don't deliver, mm-hmm. it creates an expectation of that's what art does. That's why you have so few people collecting art gotcha. because they're like, you, because dagger, they're, dude. yeah, because they're never experiencing it. So what they're experiencing is high concept with flattening effects. Yeah. So then they're flattened at the expense of what, what you say is the most important thing, which is the concept. 
and the concept is important, but it's 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 uh, baked into the embodied expression, which is always leveling people to the same point. So, and I make flat art, so I'm not. <laughs> so, um, um, me make visually flat art. Yeah, it's literally flat, but it's you know optically doing something. But yeah, yeah. Um, so so that over and over again will dehumanize people because we're not flat. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking so much about diversity. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're um, individuated. We're we have great commonality, and and uh, the great commonality allows us to perceive the uh, various uh, diverse components that make I think humanity, you know, beautiful or wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're oddly working against that in the name of self-expression and mm-hmm. art and design, and you know, in our you know, you make brutalist architecture. Mm. What what effect do you expect to be rendered on people over gobs of time? Yeah, that's what, true. What um because you yeah, I don't know, man. Like I was looking at, I mean, I I was like, I told my wife, I was like, man, I feel like I don't know. I was looking at this old frame, just this frame, and I was like, we wouldn't even make a frame like this. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even think anybody knows how to make this frame. It was like from the 1500s, mm-hmm. and it was just, it was just ornate. It was so relentless, the effects. It was like it was a burning bush. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was on fire around this frame because of the contours and um, the gold. It just, it was, and it was made knowing these things. So it was made to be a phenomena. It was yeah. made, it was made knowing our corporeality. Mm-hmm. It like, it like, it was like, it was like made knowing what a body might feel from this and how mm-hmm. that might frame the internal relationship of the, the the painted space the image um yeah and then the question is like how am i affected you know and and that's a whole discussion but um i i've been in academia enough to see that this is missing yeah no it it definitely is i mean this was never this wasn't a conversation i was having in school no Um, it was how do you make the best you can make yeah and that's that's fine Yes, um, it's a part. That's certainly a part of it. You know, but it's it's like telling somebody how can you how can you hit the baseball the best you can, and yeah. then not letting them know there's a larger game happening. Yeah, and that past that game, there's actually people that are watching this for enjoyment, mm-hmm. or to uh, build connection with their family or friends mm-hmm. as a social activity. Mm-hmm. Right. That um, like if you ever heard an athlete talk and say, you know, hey, uh, you know, you just won the Super Bowl. What's up? It's like I did great. Mm-hmm. I was performing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's never what they say. No. I mean, every once in a while you get that kind of ch- chippy person who says this stuff, but for the most part they say things like, hey, the team was really great. We were really happy to put on the show for all these folks today. Yep. Let them have a good time seeing us do what we do. Right, like, right. It, it's always within that larger context. Yeah. And then we get to art, and we're just like, oh, no, it's you. Yeah. It's yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the average average artist coming. I mean, I, I uh, maybe I close with this. You know, when in sports you talk about the zone. Yeah. It's kind of like where your mind, body, everything connects, and you're you're just in a really rare state mm-hmm. I've, I've experienced that a couple of times um and i think you can get into that sp- state making art sometimes oh, yeah. um uh and so what i would say is that there's a dichotomy that's been around for a long time between our mind and our body and we just kind of assume it pretty strongly or we run to one or the other so we become very very earthbound we have no no mind for more so we're very primal Mm-hmm. Or we're so empirical, you know, the the enlightenment you know, through the mind kind of thing. Um, you know, so you can you can fall into those ditches. Um, but we are 
you know, one, one psychosomatic unity. And I think the harmonization or the restoration of those things, the repairing of those things, like the understanding that if we are a psychosomatic unity fully integrated into this world, then um, that should set up expectations for how we make in a fully integrated world. Like we're in a fully integrated world. Yeah. You don't experience like something that is um, supranatural, not super. You may, I think there's some strange phenomena out there that are immaterial. So, but I'm saying like um, the time space continuum, as we understand it still hasn't been sliced in half. Mm -hmm. The sky hasn't been cracked yet. So um, the laws of physics haven't been violated yet. Mm -hmm. We understand them to be stranger than we thought they were a hundred years ago, but they haven't been violated yet. You see what I'm saying? They're not, they're not, um, you know, whether we live in a matrix or not, like some people say, and some scientists think that maybe we are, um, (laughs) we're still in it though. You're not outside of it saying it for sure. You're speculating from within. Right. We're fully integrated beings, and that should set up an expectation. When we don't do that, we're just like, I'm just me trying to do me. I mean, you're living on, you're living in the most sort of, um, it's a sad underperforming of yourself and of the world around you yeah. to recline to that out of fear. It's sad. Yeah, and it'll always make results that are equal. Yeah. And I, and I, I've been, you know, I've despaired that way. I've lived that way. So like, I know that I, I'm not, you know, I know that I haven't made or lived or done, you know, I haven't done what I, what, uh, just the kind of given potential of a person. I, I haven't done it, um, myself, you know, and then sort of try to start to do it now is humbling because you know, that you missed a lot of opportunity and the best I got is to hope that my striving in, in, in a fresh direction has some inspirational or direct import for other people around me, including like my kids and my family, my friends, the community. And, um, they may be able to move faster in in a fresh direction. So it's kind of like you have to have a selfless component, I guess, because you're like, I can't, I can't fully rectify like a half, half my life lived. Right. You know, it's, it's all you can do is kind of, so for me, it's like a daily exercise. How am I going to orient myself towards my responsibilities for today? The things I make, the stuff I write, the people I teach, like that kind of thing. And, and, and like you said, like, cause you have, you have today and eternity. So it's like you're faithfully present with what you've been given or what you have. Mm-hmm. And then you, um, seek to orient towards the things that are going to best serve and build up the people around you, both your art, your words, your actions, your affections, your love. Uh, your time, your energy, and so on, and then you and you make do with that, and then you keep keep moving, you know. But I rest easier knowing that uh, the world is replete with um, preceding um, a a phenomenological underpin that is dynamic and active. I mean, you know, it's like I got up yesterday, man. Stinking carpenter bees are back after a year, and they're yeah. tearing up my deck, and I'm like they're back like you know it's like they didn't go <laughs> where did they go for a year but they know to come back to the right spot like what's the truth you know what i mean like yeah. i didn't have anything to do with that the only thing i can do is take it away mm-hmm. which is what we see when we see animals go extinct that's what we do when we don't know how to live with things uh-huh. we just know how to take them away we just know how to tear down it's true it's it's kind of it's wild you know so like I'm, i guess i want to put a big pause on like what does it mean to build up in mind of what we have around us. Mm-hmm. I think it looks a lot different. 
Yeah, it definitely does. And, and by no means, I would say, is this like an exhaustive conversation? Because not I know even there's, close. It's ad hoc, dude. There's like forty different rabbit trails that uh, I want to run down uh, with this. Um, and you know, the good thing is it's a long form podcast, so we got more episodes, and I'm sure we're going to track them down as we go through more. Um, but I think it is really good to just like remember we live in a world that exists outside of ourselves. Uh, that world is always in motion, mm-hmm. doing things. We don't fully understand our context, and we have not taken the time to really understand or appreciate what's around us. And all those things things do bear on the work that we make as artists and designers um, because all of those things do bear on the people who see it and experience it, who may want to buy it or have it in their home or come see it in a gallery or a museum. Uh, so it's hugely important to to talk through and think through and just, you know, even if it's a few minutes here and there, hey, I'm going for a walk to get out of the apartment today, get out of the studio, I'm going to go do this and uh, just kind of look at the world around me. Like, uh, actually look up from your feet as you walk, look at yeah. the sky, yeah. look at how the how the light has changed now that it's spring and how that affects. Oh, just changed in our studio because we have a uh, <laughs> yeah, we have, real. Literally, as he said that the uh, we have a what is that called? We a, got a skylight, a skylight, and it changed. Yeah, <laughs> like, like as he said that, Gareth, are you God? Uh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Definitely but, uh, not. I did not affect that. <laughs> I did not make any anything change. But it's nice to actually take some time and like look at that and see what it is, and realize that it has a huge impact as the mm. light changes once more yep. <laughs> in here. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's it's a big topic. It's a big question. Um, so please hit us up. Yeah, just know. trying to stir the pot, the gumbo, the thought yeah. gumbo. And um, there's a lot of books to read, and we're not. I mean, we just did like a a uh, a very piecemeal rough shot through it but um you know i think it's worth mentioning every now and then is that you know part of the goal of the podcast is to be conversation starters we yeah used to say that a lot in the very beginning is to start the conversation or provoke it and not not to be provocateurs in a way that's irresponsible where we don't stand behind what we're saying for the most part so it's not trivial or arbitrary it's not it's it, it's well intended as and we are kind of um, giving thoughts as we're reflecting on them ourselves and actually wrestling with them like in our lives. So it's not like anything that we're talking about. These are things that we're really wrestling with. Like this discussion is something that's really on the table yeah. and, and it, it has consequences. So like we are living under, you know, a certain amount of consequence from feeling, thinking and, you know, considering things along these lines. Yeah. And if you're so, a maker, you've run up against these ideas. So they're sure. strange to you. You just yep. may not have taken the time to afford yourself a little bit of consideration on them. Yeah. That's what the whole series is about. Yeah. Really just, hey, just rethink it. Consider it. it. Think about it again. You may come yep. to the same conclusion that yep. you have right now, but it's always worth the exercise. Yeah. So as always, we're really grateful for you, your fantastic audience. We're loving each and every one of you, and we'll catch, catch you next time. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, non-profit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.